Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Vincent Hunt, who's the founder of Better. Uh, Vincent works with teams and companies to design better experiences. Yeah. Welcome absolutely. to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. Tell me about Better. Better. Yes, we are an experience design company. And I always say that we're United States based um, experience design company because you see a lot of experience design happening in the marketplace, but a lot of it is really kind of overseas. That's where you see a lot of the activity as it pertains to really, really diving into the customer experience and really, really unfolding that science. So I always like to kind of fly the banner of, you know, we are a United States based experience design company. And what we do is basically help our customers or help our clients or what we call our partners, um, one, empower their teams to make better design decisions as it pertains to, of course, the customer experience. The second thing that we like to say that we do is, of course, strengthen the strategic partnerships between, of course, our clients and their clients, their partners. And then the last thing that we like to say, you know, which is ultimately the end game, right? Delight customers. How do you do that? So better is set up to do that work. So customer experience can mean a lot of different things. Yes. Why don't you unpack what you mean when you say customer experience? Wow. When I say customer experience, we think about customer experience in the context of the totality of an organization's um, customer experience ecosystem, right? So in that case, we're talking about everything from the sales team, how are they performing, how are they interacting with you know, potential clients and customers all the way through the back end, like what's happening on the operational context. So if you have a supplier or a partner supplier, how are you actually working with that partner, right? That experience, because at the end of the day, I think everything kind of trickles down, whether you know it or not, it kind of falls into the lap of the customer. So for instance, if we have a bad experience with a supplier, if that experience is broken, now we have delayed delivery times on certain, you know, whether it be raw materials or the actual product in itself, which then in turn it turns into an extended wait time for the customer. So there's all of these these nuances within a customer experience ecosystem that we like to take into consideration and then designing for that. So if it's a process, if it's a product, I mean, this could, like you said, it could span across a lot of different things, but at the heart of what we do is really taking a look at that customer experience ecosystem and helping our clients understand and navigate that in a more efficient way. When you first sit down and start talking with a prospect or an early stage client, what what <laughs> do those conversations look like to kind of understand where they're at and what they what what needs they might have? Yeah, it it starts off as you would probably imagine. They like so for instance, let's take a digital product. Digital product, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback on our UI. We think our UI is broken. Okay. Bet. That's part of the experience, right? So we then dial into that and say, okay, let's look, let's think about, you know, the UI of this digital product and let's really analyze the user in itself. So now you start talking more about the human centered design experience. But then when we start unpacking that conversation and really start unfolding it, it really does start to now permeate into the organization as a whole because there's back end things that have to happen. There's all this stuff that actually affect the end game. And usually a client will come to us with the end game. We need a better UI. Or if it's a product that's in the marketplace, let's just say an industrially designed product, a physical thing, they're not getting a lot of traction. 
right? So maybe it's a packaging problem, or maybe it's just a product in itself. So they start looking at these things. And what we understand is their view or their perspective of it is very myopic in a lot of cases. But when we pull back and get a bigger view of what's really going on, the totality of things, sometimes it's not the product. Maybe it's how we're communicating about the product. Maybe it's just the packaging. So you have to really kind of dissect and unpack these things with the client. And so we encourage a lot of research, a lot of user research, really digging into the customer and looking at those customer journeys and how we can actually make those better. Got it. Go through some of the, and you just rattled off a a couple of them there with tactics that you might use to, to better understand what might be broken, what the real experience is today, current state, things like that. Why don't you run down just a maybe a short list of some of the tools in the toolbox that you might bring to bear against a specific problem to understand kind of where we are and what we might need to do. Yeah. Like, so at surface level, the best, right? Like, so let's look at the typical situation where we're trying to dial into, and let's go behind the scenes a little bit, because I think it's easy to talk about the things that are consumer facing. Let's talk about internal processes. (laughs) So if we think about internal processes and we think about like, let's just say order fulfillment, Right. So you have a team that's working on order fulfillment because you have a physical product that you're putting into the marketplace. We have to start thinking about let's just think about Curtis and Curtis is over that department and it's his job to make sure that the orders are fulfilled on time. But what happens when some of the software that's being used on the inside of the organization is slow and cumbersome? And then we go and we interview Mary. So here's a tool interviews. Right. Doing live interviews with the people that are on these teams and finding out what their experiences are and where they're actually having sticky points or where things are cumbersome. So interviewing is one way to do it. Another way to do it, of course, is to put out, of course, which is another form of interviewing surveys. Put out a survey. Ask, you know, when you come in in the morning, like, what are your experiences or what are some of the things that make you kind of begrudging to your work? Or what are some of the things that super delight you? What do you like about your work? Right. So asking questions of the actual stakeholders in any part of the, the process as it pertains to like the channels. And in this case, we're talking about order fulfillment, asking questions, digging in. So we really have a human center. When we say we have a human centered based practice, We really, really do. There's tons of technology that you can deploy and there's ways to actually analyze the things that you get back, the data that you get back. We can use technology to do that. But a lot of times it's about just talking to the actual people who are actually in charge of those experiences. Ask them questions. So if there's any like one holy grail tool, it's like interaction. Yeah. (laughs) Go in and ask the question. And that's the hard part. You know, if we could automate everything, that'd be one thing. But getting in and asking questions, that's a whole nother thing. So I can imagine when you do that, you'll find a lot of opportunities. How do you prioritize those opportunities? Yeah, based on business needs and based business needs, goals and objectives, it always goes back to business, right? What are the things that we can do now to, to if it's, well, let's just say it's about strengthening the bottom line, efficiencies, right? So if you have an efficiency that you can actually deploy or actually design something that would actually make something more efficient for the company, which then in turn would save them money, that goes back to the bottom line. So those things are going to get higher priority. Those things that have actual like direct business impact, those are the things that we're going to go after first. Then there's all the other stuff, what we call the super delight stuff. It's the stuff that goes above and beyond. Like, are we actually putting handwritten notes in everything that we send out? Do we actually do that? Right. Those are some of the things that can be designed that we call super delights. And so really putting it based on priority, based on business goals, objectives, getting those taken care of first, knocking those out 
And then we go into this whole layer that we love to work in, which is, of course, super delighting the end users, the customers, the surprise moments. Like, why did they do that? Those aha moments that really make things stick. How often when you go in to work with a company, are you looking at that company's competition to understand how they interact with their customers or how customer experience as relative to the rest of the market? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely do competitors analysis, like going in, like, so for instance, if you're talking hotel versus hotel or coffee shop versus coffee shop, ones that are winning, ones that aren't, right? All of that, like, is definitely smart business going in and kind of seeing what's going on in the landscape. And we do that. So for instance, if it is a, let's take, for instance, a software development shop, yeah. right? And how they're actually delivering their products and services to the end user, which in this term, in this case would be, of course, development and software. Yeah. Looking at another software company and saying, what does their process look like? How efficient is that process? How fast are they getting projects done? What are they delivering? At what level of excellence? Going through, doing analysis on that, looking at that, and then looking at our partners and saying, okay, how do you measure up, right? What are your efficiencies? How are you delivering on excellence? Those types of things. All of that is there. And that's just smart business. But one area that we like to tippy toe into that we really talk a lot about at Better is possibility thinking versus competition thinking. We really find that that's kind of like the separator in the game today, because if we compete, if you come from an innovation, because I come from an innovation background, if you compete, nine times out of 10, you're going to be doing what we call incremental innovation. Okay, they have a flat screen. Ours is going to be a little bit flatter. Right. There's this curved. I was going to be curved a little bit more. There's is one resolution. Ours would be a little bit higher resolution. Right. We can do that like all day. But where things get interesting is when we really start pushing the envelopes with our clients and saying, but what's possible, though? Let's take a coffee shop, coffee shop versus coffee shop. Both of you are serving coffee. Both of you have killer customer service. Both of you remember the names of your customers. <laughs> all of these things. Right. But what can we do? What is possible? That becomes the question. That becomes the challenge. Doing what's possible. And we've seen it in the marketplace. Apple, Microsoft, all we can go like for days on the companies that are possibility thinking versus competition thinking and what that actually means in today's marketplace where we have so much capability. And are we tapping into that capability using technology to extend those those boundaries? How do you start? somebody down the path of possibility thinking, what does that look like? Yeah, it's small bets, small bets. A lot of times because possibility thinking can be a little scary. Like, so for instance, we're working with a community bank and with this community bank, they were saying, Vince, we want a better experience on the front end for our customers when they actually walk into the bank. That makes sense. Better signage, right? Make it easier for them to find certain things, have the concierge type experience where they're offering them maybe coffee and, you know, cookies early in the morning. Like those types of things are easy to do. But when we start pushing into possibility thinking and we say, OK, but what if you were to use augmented reality to actually have somebody helping them in the front lobby versus a physical person? What does that look like? When Magic Leap came out with their technology, when you start thinking about mixed reality, this stuff is real, right? You have somebody there virtually able to answer questions, gives a human kind of a feel to the scenario, and at the exact same time, providing experience that they will talk about. That's one of those super delights. Oh my God, I went into the bank and like a virtual assistant helped me, but they were standing there for real. Like, that's awesome. 
so you can push those boundaries. Again, it can be scary when you start talking about possibility thinking versus competition thinking, but then you have small bets. Instead of it being actual like mixed reality, why don't we do something on our phone that when they actually walk through the door, they get a push notification that begins to walk them through the concierge type experience. That's the first step of it, right? And if that was awesome, what if we did this? So it's that kind of stuff that we like to push our our partners into to get them thinking in that way to super delight their clients and their customers. Why did you start better? Wow. I started better because I think we can just do better at design. Now, this is no rag. Now, when I say that, right, this is no rag on any other designer. Not at all. But we have so much capability now, so much information, so much data, so much insight as it pertains to human behavior now versus what we used to have. And when you think about the tenets of design, when you think about intention, designing to the user, those types of things. Now, with all as hyper connected as we are. Are we doing like all that we can do to actually find out as much as we possibly can about our potential clients and customers and truly providing better experiences? And it's funny because even when clients, potential clients come to us, they say, Vince, we're looking for a better way to do a certain thing. Right. Most people are in pursuit of better. So I designed better or I created better. So that way it's not it's this whole theory I have about, you know, designing beyond the pretty things. Design is rooted in research, understanding, right? And if you can do a better job at research and understanding and really looking at the data and let your design be data driven, insight driven versus just, is it pretty? Now, I think we're tapping into what we deem as better design, more human centric, designed on the user, right? No matter who that user is. And we have multiple channels, as we talked about earlier, internal teams, what's their day look like? And how does that affect the end user? And of course, the customer, the AKA client, end user, customer, CX. How do you figure out where to start when you engage with a company? Usually when companies come, like there's two ends to the sword. The, the first end is like if we're reaching out to an organization, let's say they have a customer experience manager. Okay. Because of the way Better is designed, Better is designed not only to be a facilitator of services, right? Doing services, building and creating experiences, right? We also serve as an education platform, teaching, giving deeper understanding, tools, resources. So in that context, let's just say I'm reaching out to a company because they have a customer experience manager, introducing them to new concepts, bringing them in, letting them learn from us, giving them all the freemium stuff. Then what happens is they ultimately start asking questions. When that begins to happen, that's when we begin that engagement process. How can we become partners in this form of exploration, right? You're like, so for instance, one of the biggest things is the lack thereof. And this is, this, this blew my mind when we started doing the stats on this. And this is why like the whole customer experience ecosystem mapping, that practice is at the center of what we do. Because we found out that 20% of customer experience managers, as well as practitioners in the field, don't even use that. They're doing spot checks, right? Like, ooh, I want to fix the UI. Okay, bet, fix the UI, right? Let's find the customer journey on the UI and fix the UI. <laughs> Devoid of everything else. Do you see what I'm saying? And so by, by working with organizations in a more holistic kind of a way, when we approach an organization and just ask them for that one artifact, we would love to do a free audit on your customer experience ecosystem. That document doesn't exist. Of course it doesn't. That work doesn't exist. So who does that work? 
and we deliver that in two different formats, right? You can come in and learn, and we'll teach you how to do yours. All right. What it, so <laughs> teach me. Uh, I'll bite. I, I have a number of companies. None of them have a customer experience ecosystem defined. Right. What, what does that even look like? I wouldn't even know what that would be. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is no, no bad, right? The thing about it is unless you know, and again, to, and, and I take blame for this. This is why you asked the question, why did you create better? Yeah, yeah. There's just a better way. And if we, <laughs> stop, if we stop shortcutting and taking orders as designers and creatives and truly becoming a partner with our partners, we can help them in a more holistic kind of a way. Mike, okay, you want to fix one process within your organization? I hear you. But what about all the other processes that affect this? And this is where this ecosystem comes into play. So the question begins, how do you start that process? You have to do an audit of the entire organization. Go find all the channels. What are all the things that you do and all the people that are in those channels and who owns each channel and the experience that that channel produces? Okay. Once you've mapped that out, then you start going through and you start asking the questions. Is this running as smoothly as it should? Are the experiences that are being had in this channel at the at the optimum peaking performance that they should be at? Or if not, what can we do to make it better? And it's easier to do when you have a smaller company. Let's just start there. Yeah. Because you don't have so many moving parts yet. No joke. You don't have all those processes. Not yet. Yes. They're coming. So you're basically saying, I'm going to say this back to you to make sure I got it. Yeah. Lay out every process with it. So let's do startup competitors. Startup competitors. The the podcast that we're on. There we go. uh, We generate reports for startup founders so they better understand the competition in their market. Yep. So we have processes for when an order comes in that kicks off a whole production process to yes. to create the report. Mm-hmm. We have a process for how we communicate status and updates to the founder that uh, ordered the report. Yes. We have financial processes for how we close a month at the end of the month in QuickBooks. We have what other processes we have? And think about it. It's from a pretty small, simple business right now. So, which is awesome. Yeah. So, that's the best place to be in. So I might have just said, I'm sure there's a couple others, but I might have just said all of the processes right there. Like we we have very few processes. How many is, channels do you have? Which is great. Break down channels. Like think about it from a channel perspective. Channel meaning? Departments. Uh, a channel. So we have, I mean, it's a two person company. There you go. So. Real simple. It's really simple. Right now. Correct. Right. So when you have, when it's small like that, right, this is the best time to start building that ecosystem because it's small. So it doesn't have a whole bunch of moving parts. You take those channels, you break it down, find out who are the owners of those channels and what are the processes within those channels, right? So when you say process, I'm visualizing like a whole workflow, workflow. like Visio diagram workflow kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. That's what you'd say define all of those for each channel. Absolutely. Okay. And and have an understanding and see them, right? But above and beyond that, let's go back to the human beings that have to execute this. Ask them, how's this working out for you? <laughs> right? Because here's the here's the thing. Whenever we're working with organizations, and again, I've been in this space for a long time. So I've worked in different capacities where I'm seeing these problems, just there was never ever one organization that would serve this subset of of things, right? So for instance, you go in and you say, okay, we have these very simple processes. It's a very small team. And this is what we're doing. I got that. But let's just say Kevin is the person who's ending out the month every month. And Kevin begrudgingly comes into work at the end of the month every month. He's not telling you. He's just doing it. He's coming in. He's like, oh my God, there's this end of the month thing I got to do. It sucks. 
Now what our job is to do is find out how can we make it not suck for Kevin? Because if we make it not suck for Kevin, what happens is his his performance increases. We start thinking about the true value of understanding your ecosystem, which is retention, whether it be client or employees. Now you got no more retention problems. <laughs> You've reduced that. And we've created a better environment, haven't we? So it's looking at it from that perspective. Now, when it's small, it's easy to go ahead and do that audit. I would do it now. Like so what right is now. that? So, yeah. So let's scale that up. Now let's say you have a 50-person company. Yes. Which has seven departments. Every department has... 30 processes. Come on. Like when you say lay off that <laughs> ecosystem. Yeah. Like this is like three ring binder kind of stuff, right? Like nobody's going to do that. That's why better exist. That's why we exist. At the heart of what we do is defining that ecosystem and making that, that ecosystem visual for the actual stakeholder. Because the opposite to that is what we're doing now. How do you make that visual? Right. So whenever you go in and you're mapping that ecosystem. Yeah. Like, so each department, each channel, if you think about it from like a customer journey standpoint, yeah, you know yeah. what that looks like. I know what those look like. Yep. Okay. So if you take that and you take that per department. No, to be clear, we do, we do good work for our clients. Absolutely. We don't, phenomenal. We don't do good work for ourselves. <laughs> That's <laughs> every founder ever. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the, I call it the barber effect. Have you ever noticed the barber never has the fresh haircut? Yeah. Like he never, he never has, or she never has time to do her own stuff. But at the end of the day, like even in that, when you think about opportunities, think about it from an opportunity standpoint. Okay. So if you go into and you're doing your client's work, but you understand the totality of their ecosystem, you're seeing all kind of broke stuff right? that they've got Band-Aids on. It's pumping. It's doing what it's doing. But you're like, did you know that you could actually do that better? Like this part. And Mary's level of happy will go from like a six to like a 10 if you fix this one thing. So the probability of you retaining Mary would be higher. Would you not agree? They would say yes. Now you have more work to do. Because now you can fix that problem, that, that problem. And technology plays a big role in that, right? When you start talking about the digital transformation and all the other things that we talk about, when you understand the ecosystem, you understand where technology can actually come in and actually prove valuable in organizations because now they can see it. Right now, we haven't been able to see it. And it's not because it doesn't exist because we know it exists. Again, only 20% of the CX professionals out there right now are even doing the work of mapping. Only 20%, at least 80% out there just fixing problems on spot, <laughs> which is easy to do. That's easy work. It's easy to say, oh, you got X broken? Let's just fix X. Let's just do. And now we start talking about customer journeys, right? And customer journey mapping. That's point A to point B. That's simple. And let's just fix that. Versus when you think about it in the totality of the ecosystem and how all these parts work together because they're not just joining. There's one thing that we say it better, and it's I don't think it would go remiss if I did if I if I didn't say it, but it's this idea. We believe that an organization and its brand promise is ultimately realized through the experiences that it delivers. One broken or one disjointed experience in that can actually break the brand promise. And we've actually seen it happen, right? We won't say it, but let's just say you're a famous like sneaker maker. <laughs> Everything on the front end looks great. 
But then you find out that the part of the ecosystem, the labor part, is severely broken and it broke the promise. We can do better, right? That's the key. Understanding and looking at an organization as the totality. Now they're never going to be a sponsor of the show. I hope you're happy. No, they don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but you see where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We experience it every day in small ways, right? We can go to the local grocery store. And because the local grocery store is looking at the customer experience from the managerial level, right? How are they responding? The person that's bagging the groceries is jacking the process up. Right. Breaking the promise. Do you see? So being more mindful and being more holistic as it pertains to the design approach, I think is important. And so when you work with organizations and for us, and it also gives us a leg up for like, so for instance, partners, let's just say better partner now with developer town, right? So you have better developer town, better goes in and does the ecosystem. Who can you hand that off to? Developer town. Now you see it. Now you can peruse that, that whole ecosystem and say, wow, wait a minute. Did you know that Chuck over here in this department is having a really, really bad day? Not only is it Chuck, but it's also Larry, Susan, Katie, and Bob. All of them are having the same problem. How can we fix that? So you're mapping out the ecosystem. So yes. each of the departments processes within those departments. Then you're going through, you interview all the key stakeholders yes. in, that, in, Owners. That, in that process. For each of those processes, right? Yep. Talk to them about that. Capture those findings visually. How do you capture those findings? Visually and, of course, in narrative format. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're layering that on top of the ecosystem, right? So you can see somehow the hotspots of where you need to focus first. Exactly. Exactly. Because then you do an analysis of it. You really start thinking about, okay, well, how are these things affecting, you know, the business as a whole? And then you start to highlight and illuminate. Like those super, super red hot spots. I really have to see that. Yeah, it's super dope. Fun. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's awesome. The thing, of, and like for us, the revelation behind it all, because of course, like you said, like we're all pretty good at customer journeys. Those are point A to point B. When we started becoming more mindful of the ecosystem as a whole experience, and that's why, like, so better as an experience design company, because people say, well, Vince, why aren't you just a customer experience customer? Because that makes sense, right? Or UX. That makes sense. Well, when you think about experience design as a whole, the more imperial, bigger umbrella, right? It's all of the experiences. So it's not just the end user, the customer, the customer, the customer, the customer. Customer is super important. We're living in a time of the CX, right? But the totality of all of that, all of those experiences need evaluation. They need considering. So that's what we do. And it all goes through the same design process, Right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the outputs and the deliverables are a little bit different. Yeah. But it all goes through. It should go through the same, you know, design process. Design thinking, of course, is at the core of what we do. So all of these things working together creates just more informed design decisions, which is one of our purposes. Because ultimately, like if you really think about it, Mike, like at the end of the day, like once you have the ecosystem in place and the stakeholders now are aware of how their role actually affects the whole chain of events, they start making more informed decisions. It's no longer an isolated, okay, I'm over here just order processes and that's all I do, <laughs> right? It's my ability to do this more efficiently and greater actually leads to higher chance of client retention, customer retention, more loyalty, 
dang, never saw me as in that role, right? So you start illuminating some of these nuances that need to be illuminated, especially now when the competitive factor is that. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And you see it. You see it across organizations that 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 have it. There's a there is a um there's a software that we just started using here recently because again, we're small enough to kind of like move quickly. So when you think about how we actually manage like our proposal processes and all that kind of stuff, right? We use a platform and the concierge like experience that we had with that, everything from the CEO's email all the way through us becoming members of that platform, all of that. You could tell that was super well thought out. I was like, that's super, super dope. Right. And because of that, the chances of my retention are higher. Right. But you could feel the remnant of that throughout the totality of the process. Not that not just that the software is elegant, awesome, and easy to use. It was all the other stuff, the other touch points and how I got there. Like all of that made a difference to my affinity with that piece of software. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. So if somebody's listening to this and they want to start thinking about building a design ecosystem for their business or even just starting to think differently about customer experience in their business, where would you tell them to start? One, I'd have them reach out to better. We can help you do it better. Absolutely. Of course. Like shameless plug. Right on. We can definitely help you do it better. But at the exact same time, there is information out there. Just start searching, right? Start searching. Like if you start searching, you know, customer experience ecosystem mapping, right? It's a it's a long, pretty drawn out process. It really, really is. And that's why, like, of course, I would recommend hiring an organization to come in. And another thing that you have to think about is the... What happens when you're actually living in an ecosystem? If you've been in an ecosystem for a long period of time, nine times out of 10, you probably don't see all the pain points because we are adaptive creatures. Totally. And so having somebody from the outside coming in with fresh perspective and 100% just like candor, being able to tell the truth is so, so important. So one, do research. Go out there. If it's something, if you have a smaller team, exercise it, do it. Like it's, you can do it step by step. Right. They'll show you how to do it. I would recommend doing that. If you have a bigger team and there's a lot more convolution going on, there's a lot of moving parts. Have somebody come in and do that. And of course, I would recommend better to come in and do that. But it's it's that do research, do research on it, start to unfold it and look at look at you, look at your organization in a more holistic kind of a way. You familiar with traction? No. Also referred to as the entrepreneurship operating system, EOS, the EOS framework. No, so School me. Uh, well, it could be a long podcast then. But um, <laughs> so there's a book. Gino Wickman wrote a book called Traction years ago. It's uh, basically a book for startup founders to 
company founders to give them a more simplified framework for how to run a business. Mm-hmm. It's kind of built on the whole theory of work on the business, not in the business, right? So how do you define clear roles and accountabilities? How do you identify those critical processes that need to be run? How do who's in and then who's going to run them? Mm-hmm. What are the key metrics that you need to track on a weekly, monthly basis to make sure that you're driving the business results that you need to? How do you effectively communicate as a team? All that kind of stuff. And he so he wrote this great book called Traction. It's kind of got a big following. And from the book Traction, the kind of the spin out of that was the entrepreneur operating system. Uh, EOS, the, the EOS framework. And now there's like EOS is like a whole thing. There's software packages around it. There's consultants there. I mean, you could spend as much money as just like anything, spend as much money as you want. <laughs> um, getting it. Yeah. Getting it. Not that that stuff doesn't have value, but it, you know, it's uh there's a lot out there. One of the things that it's resonating with me as you're talking. So we use traction in one of our companies and uh, for that team, you know, we've defined some of the various roles that they have, you know, we've identified who's playing that role on the team. We've mapped out a handful of our processes, certainly not all of them. We track on a weekly, monthly basis. We have key metrics that we track. We meet every week and do what they call a L10 meeting, level 10 meeting, uh, which the theory is the L10 meeting is the only meeting you should need each week as a team to communicate. You might still have working sessions, right? But, Mm -hmm. but, meeting as, you know, just sharing information, right? Like the L10 should be the place that you do that and collaborating on problem solving. So one of the things that's interesting about what you're saying relative to what that, some of the fundamental tenets of EOS, clearly defined roles, clearly defined processes, understand who's responsible for those, understanding the business impact of those, right? And then ideally, whenever those aren't, in a perfect world, the number should be telling you when one of those processes is broken yes. right yep and then diving in to understand why that is so i it's just for whatever it's worth while you were talking originally about the the design ecosystem i was in my head visualizing some of the stuff that we've done in that business mm-hmm. particularly Smart. around around eos and traction um for that so it might be something for you to look at oh absolutely and i i know that you would find and my suspicion is I, I guess i shouldn't say i know this my suspicion is you would find people in those companies that would be very friendly to kind of your worldview and how you, th- you know, how, how you talk about customer experience and the, the things that are involved in that. I mean, that's going to, it's going to translate very well to mm. people who've kind of been thinking about that from day one in their business. Like how do we define and manage these things? And it's, it, and it's interesting. And I, and I love that you, thank you. I love that you share that because at the end of the day, and I think we said this a little bit earlier, when you have a small company start, <laughs> it's just like a garden. Like think about it like a garden, right? You got a little garden and the very first thing that you're, you're growing is tomato. Yes. That's one channel. Now all of a sudden, because it was pleasurable, right? To grow your tomatoes. You say, okay, now I'm about to go grow some cantaloupe. Now you got tomatoes and cantaloupe. But then you said, that was really awesome. And I love the cantaloupe and I love the tomatoes. Let's go add something else. Just like any other ecosystem, your business ecosystem grows the exact same way. The only challenge that we have today is some of these ecosystems are ginormous. Yeah. So there's so much going on. And being able to go in and like, because you didn't really check when the tomatoes and the cantaloupes, you didn't track that part. You didn't track any of it. It's just there. 
and everything's just kind of firing on its cylinders. But we're living in a time again now of customer experience, right? So the customer's feeling it. They're getting it. They're just not realizing, is it the cantaloupe or is it tomatoes? What is it that's messed up in this ecosystem, but it's feeling a little wonky? Again, one broken experience can actually break the brand promise as a whole. So with the smaller companies, absolutely start this, this exercise now, right? Start tracking and being very, very aware and having owners of each one of those channels. So that way each one can be efficient and be great, be better for the client. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Does it make sense? So I'm glad you shared that. And most definitely, I'm going to dig into that and, and dine on that because I think there's a lot of insight to be had there. But I think we're starting to realize that the more that we traverse into the creative economy as a whole, which is a macro conversation for me, there's no more factories. And because there are no more factories, right? In other words, we can just keep stamping and doing things business as usual, right? Business is never usual now. That thing changes so fast because clients now or potential customers come at us from so many different touch points. Before, it was only the touch points that we would give them. Now, it's every touch point that they can find. So it's completely different now. And so in that, if we're not aware of what our, you know, our, the totality of our customer experience ecosystem looks like, then how do we know how to optimize or how do we know where to super delight the potential client? So it's clutch. So key. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down now. I'm, I'm not even paying attention to you. I'm writing down personal notes based on the conversation. You've given me a lot. Of, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This good, is good. good. Uh, I just gave myself a couple of to do's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's good. Give me uh, let's end on a lighter note. Give me yeah. uh, give me like some awesome more stories of going in and you know, you start doing the research and interviewing people and, and just, you know, maybe hit me with one or two awesome things you've discovered where it's like, wait, what? Like yeah. you, you guys are doing what? And, yeah. and, and maybe that became a, a shocker to the leadership team as well. Yeah, absolutely. So one story that sticks with me and resonates with me. Now, this didn't even happen at because Better's only been around for like 90 days, right? Better is a baby. Right. The whole idea of better is a baby. We have traction because I've been in the marketplace for over 23 years. Right. So me, it's just a continuation of the work just under a brand name better. But there was one experience that happened. This was probably about eight years ago. There was a, a particular NFL team. They were doing work with this NFL team. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. And this is going to be fun. So the NFL team, what they wanted to do is they wanted to reach a greater uh, like, so for instance, where they were located, because I can't, because they put them on blast. Yeah, yeah. They wanted more Latino, more Latin engagement with their brand okay. of the team. So the chief marketing officer calls us in and says, we need you to really come in and find out what the problem is because we're not reaching the demographic that we really, really want to reach with our brand. Yeah. We're like, okay, that's cool enough. So just even back then, using the normal tenets of ideation and design thinking, going in and really looking at the organization, and I'm an observer, right? So leading this whole facilitated effort, we're there, the, the facilities are rock star fresh, everything is great. I'm going in. But when I started going through the operations department, the people were making phone calls and like doing the work each day, like reaching out to potential like uh, season pass holders and all this stuff, I saw every jersey. Pretty much under the NFL banner. I mean, I'm talking about everything, Steelers, Cowboys, everything, all up under there, right? And I'm like, wow, in this this one team, but there's so many teams in here, right? So taking a mental note of that, 
when I'm doing the ideation, I'm going through the ideation. We're talking about all the stuff. We're talking about all the obvious things. Like, what are we doing in the stadium? What are we doing? Like, as it pertains to like our normal, like advertising and commercials and all the stuff out facing, out facing, out facing. We get to the end or coming to the end. And I said, but what about all the disjointed, like brand communications going on the inside? He was like, what do you mean? I was like, I saw every Jersey under the sun out there. Like, I'm the Dallas Cowboy fan calling saying, we would love for you to be season pass holders. Yeah, right, right. Where's the sense of belief or conviction in that brand? Long story short, we illuminated that a lot of the work that need to be done, again, this is this whole methodology or this ideology I have called Beyond Pretty Things. Above and beyond the stuff that the public sees, what kind of design is really going on? Right within the culture, within inside the organization. So when the chief marketing officer saw that, the company that was actually contracting us as consultants to come in and help them, it wasn't only just a communications project that they got, but they got a legacy project that actually helped them actually straighten up the whole interior of the organization as a whole. So when they and then back to business, right? What they found is yeah. when they actually built more brand loyalty on the inside of the organization, it translated well to the outside. There were just natural, organic conversations that started to happen that then in turn started to turn more enthusiasm and more excitement toward the actual team. It was pretty phenomenal. It's interesting. There's a another book reference I'll drop. Have you read American Icon? Yes. Oh, so so you know this. So when Malali got to Ford Come and on. is walking, like literally walking <laughs> through the parking lot, sees that not a single executive is driving a Ford vehicle. They're all driving. I mean, they were technically Ford vehicles because they were owned by Ford, but they're driving Jaguars and uh, Land Rovers, right? And and he's like, yeah, of course our cars suck. Nobody's like, we can't even drive them, right? Like Exactly. And, it, and then he leveraged that as like, you know, first rule of business, you're all driving Fords, right? And and also like the other thing that stuck out with me is he then went to the, the fleet manager at Ford and said, hey, I want to drive... Toyota home tonight because I want the experience of what it's like to drive a Toyota and the fleet manager is like we don't we don't have Toyotas mm. right and he's like oh no you're gonna go out and buy one of everybody's competitors cars and have them in our fleet and then the entire executive team is going to take terms driving these vehicles mm. because we need to know yep. how good the competition's experience is right like we Absolutely. need to know what it's like to drive these cars. And, and like, it, he just, he just went to this like first principle of which you, the jerseys reminded me of this, right. Of like, Hey, like if we don't believe it, nobody's going to believe it. And, and <laughs> we need to like understand our own vehicles as well as the competitions and what everybody else is doing. It's super, it's a great book. If, if uh, I, I know you've read it, but if yeah. you're listening, you haven't read American icon, it's definitely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, again, this, the, the revelation that we have, we have a very small team, you know, and some of the things that we, we have conversations about are those like epiphany aha moments. So if we believe, because of course we're getting down to why does, why does better even exist? Like, why do we even create better? And it's because we all share that, that one unified belief that an organization and a brand promise is ultimately realized through the experiences that it delivers. Like, we just believe that, like fanatically. But at the exact same time, if those experiences are broken or if they're disjointed or dis, or they're dishonest, they're not real, they're fabricated, right? We can feel through that stuff now, which then in turn breaks the ultimate brand promise, which people can feel. To keep organizations from breaking their promises, I just think we should design better. And so that's why 
we're in the game doing what we're doing. And so all of this leads back to that. So that was one instance where, you know, was an was an eye opener for me. And I said, well, I wonder how many other organizations are like that. And this was some time back. The the evolution of where I am today as a professional and the 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 birth of better didn't just happen overnight. Right. And so that is why, you know, I think it's so imperative that better does the work that it's doing to make companies more holistic and more give them a better view, more clarity as it pertains to the bigger, bigger situation that's going on around them. If someone wants to get a hold of you or your team, how do they do that? Just reach out Vincent at wearebetter.design is the best way to reach or info at wearebetter.design is the best way to reach us. They can call me personally, like for real, for real, 850-524-7271. Just call me on the phone like, Vince, I'm just looking for better. Seriously. Brave man. Like, no, because I mean, at the end of the day, like our our brand promise is just that, right? We're human beings and being able to be touched and, and to do work. Now, you might go to voicemail. I'm just playing. But you will go to <laughs> <laughs> But for real, call me, Vince. We're in pursuit of better. And we're wanting to partner with people who are in that pursuit that are fanatical about the customer experience. Those are the people that we want to do work with. So if you love your customers, you know what I'm saying? And you want to provide the absolute best experience above and beyond that, you love your company, right? And the people that work in it, that's what we want to do. Empower your teams, strengthen those strategic partnerships. And at the end of the day, super delight the customer. So reach out to me straight up. Say, Vince, I just want better. And we're going to get it done. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, no, thank you, Mike. This is awesome. Appreciate it. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.